Welcome to the Bloom Where You're Planted podcast from Never Too Late Cafe. I'm your host, Laura Womack. Each week we sit down for a chat with someone just like you, someone who had an idea, a passion, a dream, or sometimes just a thought and planted that seed, watched it grow into something they wanted to share with the world. If you have an idea for a topic or someone that would be a guest for the Bloom Where You're Planted podcast, feel free to reach out to us on Facebook where you can join our Never Too Late Cafe Facebook group. We'd love to hear from you. Welcome back for part two of our time with Ito Atini. So back to your newsletter. And um, so someone could actually write an essay. So you give them some guidelines, say, I don't know, 200 words to give you an idea of what they're writing about. And then they can submit it to you. And then um, you can uh, give them feedback, let and that gives you enough maybe to let you know if you want to go forward with them. So how does that work? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, we actually do not have page or word limit because, again, I think that is a very um, harsh structure for, for a writer. Um, sometimes I love to write like 3,000 words. And if someone says it has to be a 1,000 words and it might be like difficult it might serve as a demotivator for for a writer we don't have word or page limit we don't publish long forms like novels novellas short stories we don't publish fiction we mainly are non-fiction uh we don't uh, give them guidelines we have a form on our website um and our website as i said the datekeepers.com uh Anyone can find a form there and submit a piece. Uh, we don't give them deadline. We read every submission. And if, um, for example, some writers, they're good writers, but they submit a piece that, um, I can give an example. A person just like a few weeks ago submitted a piece about um, how tourism is viewed in their country. And we told the person that we are we're more interested in a piece that is more narrative driven and they've written three for us so far that fit that criteria mm. and the reason we said that because the person's writing was great but the topic was not I think they're like they didn't that was not something that they were strong at if that makes sense, because we mm. are all, we all have a different strength and differences. Mm -hmm. um, and now the person is, is writing what they love. Um, and earlier I mentioned writing is the best therapy. Um, we love to see people write essays because not many platforms would publish uh, essays about personal, uh, like someone's essays that would talk about someone's personal life because it might not fit their um their ideology what or it might not fit their audience um for us we want to give that platform to people to be able to publish their um essays to also help them be able to write about themselves and tell their stories to the world uh because again this is like 
from my personal experience, I wanted so bad uh, to ha- find a place where I could tell my story on my own terms. Um, and that's what we are offering to journalists and nonfiction writers is to tell their stories on their own terms. So um, can they actually like have their essay in your newsletter or that just is the platform that you use to reach out to them for them to submit? Uh, the newsletter is a monthly newsletter and uh, we, for the newsletter only is like we, we, um, highlight things, for example, what what we've published last month, if there is any update, if one of our writers got an award or published something. Uh, but for the publication, it gets published on the website, on the media section. Um, okay. And yeah, it stays there forever. It's not a one month or one week thing. Uh, the newsletter is just a monthly newsletter where basically highlight the news tell our subscribers what we um like if we get a new writer um promote our collaborators and friends and um, update them about what's going on like for example when we got a mcdowell fellowship we updated our connections um updates about like as i said the publications both me and my husband's as well as our other uh, writers uh, but the publication itself is in the media section, um, at the Datekeepers media section. Um, so you said that you have a reach of 100,000. Can you explain how that became so broad? I mean, that's huge. Um, I am a Fulbright scholar, and basically we have our... Um, I. I call them my global family. So basically they're everywhere. Mm. Um, I also have been um, on the media. I've been on BBC Outlook. I've published at the Chicago Tribune and I've been on a lot of podcasts, YouTube, the the Fulbright Network. um, And that's how uh, we have these um, uh, large audience. That's amazing. That's amazing. So you've, you've, you're opening doors for people um, that wouldn't have one open for them. That sounds Mm -hmm. amazing. So let's talk a little bit about some of the causes that you support. Yeah. um, I support, like, as I said, emerging writers, um, people who are trying to write their memoirs and they are blocked for whatever reason. Um, I also help people find professional opportunities, Uh, help people start their small businesses. Um, I also um, help uh, people with editorial services because I know writing, especially uh, in a language that is not ours. Um, Mm -hmm. I I really, I understand how, how difficult that is, especially for people who are not trained. Um, I um, help with um, any anything that is related to study abroad. I do uh, read, uh, for example, if someone is trying to apply to the Fulbright, I read their application, give them feedback. Uh, if someone wants to prepare for TOEFL and GRE, 
Um, I answer whatever question they have and um, support in whatever way I can. Because as I said, it's when I was myself applying to the Fulbright, I didn't even know how to use the internet. And I know what it means uh, for someone who, even if they know how to use the internet, uh, but the internet is so huge, they wouldn't even know what to um, do and how to do it and how to prepare for tests. And when they go, for example, if someone comes to the US or someone wants to go abroad, um, I help connect them with um, my Fulbright fellows in whatever country they are going to. For example, a woman from the US last summer was going to Europe with a, a kid who is a wheelchair user. And I connected her with someone and they helped her found an accessible place to rent. So I love supporting um, my community and I love supporting um, anyone who wouldn't have or wouldn't find that support because I know what it means myself uh, when I didn't have a supportive community. So I bet you get to know people pretty well if you're involved in, say it's not just a one question, you know, uh, mm -hmm. it's a process. So that must be very um, stimulating to have, you know, people from such a diverse, you know, multiple countries doing writings on different things, they're traveling, they have different needs for their writing outlets and stuff. So do you ever find yourself really excited about having so many connections? Yes. I love um, connecting with people from all over the world, different cultures, different countries, uh, learning about different foods and, and different ways of thinking, different beliefs. That helps me be a better person myself. Um, and I love meeting with people from different backgrounds. Um, and within my community, we don't have only writers. Uh, we have people who do different things. Um, engineers, like scientists in diff all different fields, filmmakers. And it's, it's really... Um, it makes me happy every day to connect with new people. For example, I connected with someone last Friday who is a visual storyteller. And not only that I am blind, but I grew up in Morocco where um, oral storytelling was very strong. We told stories um, orally because we didn't have technology. We didn't have radios, televisions, newspapers, nothing. So when I went to school, I just become, became a radio journalist for a while and then a writer. So basically, I've had no training on uh, visual storytelling. And it was, it was great to learn from my fellow food writer how visual storytelling works and, and how we can connect uh, visual storytelling with, um, the, with how I do it. The, the writing um, and yeah, like I love uh, learning about different people's uh, world. Um, I love collaborating. That's one of the very um, thing that I enjoy about the communities. We collaborate on different projects. So 
when you talked about um, the emergence of someone, are you referring to they're a beginner and they need, I don't know whether it's guidance, hand-holding, is that what you're referring to? Yes. Mm -hmm. Emerging writers are basically writers who haven't made it yet into uh, the writing world. They're still um, struggling to publish. Mm. Yeah. You must have tremendous energy. That's not a question. It's a <laughs> it's an observation. You're very broad and you've done a lot. You're doing a lot. So you must have a lot of energy. A little bit. <laughs> I think so. I, uh, I think it was three or four years ago when um, one of my friends was saying, you should sleep more. And I said, that's kind of a waste of time. I don't I don't really want to sleep a lot. Um, I only operate on like three to five hours of sleep. So I have a lot of time. Um, I have a lot of energy and I love doing things. And I think the reason I do a lot of things is I love what I'm doing. And I am very uh, supportive to people who can, because I know not everyone can afford to do it. But if you can, do what you love and enjoy because you will do, you will produce good results, help yourself, help others and make the world a better place. But again, not everyone is able to do this because sometimes circumstances force us to do things that we don't love or enjoy. Uh, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of times of time. There's, you know, seven days a week, even 10 minutes a day or 10 minutes a week is better than nothing. Mm, those are words of wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you had mentioned that your husband works with you on the newsletter and so he helps you with a lot of your projects, uh, the visual part, the internet, or you must have, um, in addition to him, ad adaptive devices or equipment. Yes. Um, he uh, works with me, meaning he also, he's a writer as well. He has a, a master's degree in, uh, in fiction from the University of Arkansas. That's where we met. Um, he himself writes uh, for The Datekeepers, and he also is a novelist. He's written a novel. He's written and published um, fiction and nonfiction in um, other uh, media outlets, not uh, The Datekeepers. And he has published at The Datekeepers as well. And yes, he helps me sometimes with the visuals, uh, but also I have technology that I use to do just about everything. Um, I have a screen reader, uh, which is a software that is built into a computer, an iPad, an iPhone. Um, I have um, Amazon Echo that I can use to do things. There's apps, some of them that work perfect uh, for me to do things. I can do shopping on my own. Um, I can do um, everything. But um, if I, for example, receive a letter in the mail, um, I don't like to use um, apps to read it because of the privacy. So my husband, uh, I always 
joke with him and say, can I borrow your big, huge eyes for, for a minute? Um, <laughs> and <laughs> he's very supportive, uh, very helpful. Like whenever I need his help, um, he um, helps. Sounds like a great creative team. <laughs> yeah. So you had mentioned some travel. Can you mm -hmm. give some more information about travel? Because that sounds like it's really an interest of yours as well. Yeah, I love traveling. Um, my first uh, time to travel outside of Morocco. Well, I traveled a lot in Morocco because, as I said, my parents died uh, when I was very young. So I lived with different family members. And then later, the entire family abandoned me and I ended up uh, being homeless, but also go to different parts of the country. Um, and in 2016 was my first time to travel abroad. I went to Malaysia, which is uh, a country in Asia. And it was challenging, but also a lot of fun. I didn't speak Bahasa, which is the language that they spoke in Malaysia. Um, I have a lot of uh, stories from there. Like the first time on the plane, um, the flight attendant came to me and said, like showed me the button and said, if you need anything, call us. And of course, I thought, well, I need to learn on my own how to navigate uh, the plane. So I ended up going to the bathroom, not knowing how to unlock the door and basically flying on the toilet for about like six or eight hours. <laughs> and when I arrived to Malaysia, I found out that I didn't speak the language. Some people spoke English, but some didn't. And I ended up um, getting lost a lot of times, um, wanting to order food, but didn't really know what they call it. And it was, it was an adventure. And when I uh, went back to Morocco, I found out that I was awarded the Fulbright and they came here to the States. And since then I've been traveling to different States and um, different parts of, of the country. And when COVID hit, I was at first really, I, I liked the online world, but then for someone who is very sociable uh, like me, it was, it became not fun. I wanted to travel more. And I've, after things got little bit better I started traveling again I get invited to speak at colleges universities and different organizations invite me to speak about the importance of education for um, the minorities for people like me sometimes I get invited to speak about the Fulbright and um, or sometimes just my life story uh, in the upcoming months, I will be traveling to New Hampshire along with my husband. I've heard that New Hampshire is really pretty state. Mm. Um, yeah, we're going to go to attend um, a writer's residency. It's called McDowell. And there will be different artists from different parts of the world. Um, so things like that um, are what... I do when I travel, sometimes for work, sometimes for fun. Um, as I said earlier, I had a dream to go to Miami Beach when I was um, homeless. And um, I've 
I've been going. I, I've I've been to Miami Beach for I think five times, and I am looking forward to going again. Um, I love to go to different places. I love nature, um, zoos, and uh, different things like that. When I am not uh, traveling for work, sounds like a very exciting life. So you had yeah. started talking about your words of wisdom. Do you have more words of wisdom that you would give someone? that wants to do what you're doing or have done? What would you say to them? I know a lot of people maybe heard this, but I think there are things that if we do, um, it's not, you know, every life is, is we don't, we don't, it's not guaranteed, but if believe in, believe in yourself, hard work, surround yourself with supportive people, supportive community, embrace challenges, um, be okay with challenges. Instead of looking at challenges as obstacles or uh, things that might hinder your ability to do things, embrace them and take them as opportunities to learn. Don't be afraid of other people because someone whom you think is your enemy, your enemy or um, might not like you or whatever because of the way they sound, look, or, or behave might turn out to be wrong. You might end up um, helping and being helped by someone who wouldn't at first look or sound like someone who might help you. Just, I believe in human relationships and I think human relationships, if we invest in a positive relationships, we will change our lives and make the world a better place for us as well as for everybody else. Mm. Those are good words. Um, you know, this podcast is called Bloom Where You're Planted. And um, that quote means something different to everyone. But what does it mean to you? Um, take whatever opportunity you have and turn it to basically multiply it and make it an opportunity that will benefit you and others. Um, and do whatever you can with whatever you have. Instead of trying to wish or, or hope or think or whatever that why, for example, why I wasn't born this way or that way, or why I don't have this or that, use what you have. Because the best gift in life or the best garden to be bloomed in is life itself. And take advantage of that and, and make the best of it for everyone involved. Wow. Very positive words. And um, I'm touched as well as others will be when they hear this. So what is next for you? Projects, interest, what's on the agenda for you next? Yeah, um, I will be doing my um, McDowell Fellowship. Um, as I said, along with my husband, I am working on publishing my memoir, Blindness is the Light of My Life, and working on finishing a novel, um, Ashraf Rawi, and working on growing the date keepers. And... Uh, traveling for fun too. <laughs> yeah. 
in the midst of all of that. Wow. Um, it's been so great having you here. Um, and I hope you enjoy New Hampshire. I lived in New England for 20, 21 years, I think. And I was in New Hampshire quite a few times and um, kind of based out of the Boston metro area for most of that time. So that's another city that's really cool. But depends on what your interests are. I mean, and sounds like you have lots of opportunities for travel anyway. So again, I really um, appreciate you visiting with us today. And um, I will include your uh, contacts, your website, and all your different um, links in our notes. And uh, I just want to say thank you again. So yeah, thank you so much, Laura. I appreciate the opportunity and it's lovely uh, being here with you today. So as our time comes to a close, remember to keep creating, keep sharing, and keep supporting each other. And remember to bloom where you're planted. Bye for now.